listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're tackling one of one, one of the letting you check that stuff off of your reading glasses challenge 2022. We're tackling the self-help book. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading a book that was recommended by multiple people to me. So I felt I had to read it. It came out last year. It's called Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Did you read this? No, I feel like I've read another. Oh, did I think she, she wrote read, Euphoria. Um, the, she, and um, The Tears of My Father or something or Rain. Something. She wrote a really, really good book. Um, Father of the Rain by Lily King. Wicked fucking good. So this, I've been excited to read this book. It is so great so far. I can't put it down. Now, I'm going to make a little confession first. Um, I was reading it and I thought, wow, what a great memoir this person is writing. I love this essay-filled memoir. And then at some point I looked it up and I was like, this book is fiction. <laughs> um, it just Well, it, what's it about it if reads, you thought it was a memoir? It reads so truthfully. So it's about this young it's in the it takes place in the '90s, which is why I thought it was a memoir. I think, and it feels very real, but hold it's on, not the. Hold on. What about the '90s? It makes it a memoir. I think it's because I was like around this age in the '90s. She's a little older than me. People but I, only wrote memoirs. In no, the but 90s. it's like it's like takes place then, and you're for no reason that I have determined yet. Um, but it's about this young woman. She is uh, a writer. So that's the other thing. It's about a woman who's a writer. So I can't think okay, of, okay, okay, this is all right. woman. No, that but makes I should have known because her name was Casey and the writer's name is Lily. <laughs> anyway, it's so well written. I thought it was a memoir, which I actually think is, is a testament to the book itself. It's about a young woman. She's a writer. She's living in Massachusetts in this, like, she doesn't have any money and she, like, waits tables. And it's just about her life, waiting tables. And um, her mother passed away recently, very suddenly, and she was very close to her mother. She lives in just, like, someone's garage, like, a horrible little shed, and it's not a great place to live. It's Ugh. very not glamorous. But it's very much like she knows and is familiar with all of these literary fiction authors, or she goes to their parties and things and feels very out of place. So I think writers really like it, but also readers, because it references a lot of books, which is really interesting. But it's just about her and her... She has all these creative ambitions ambitions to be a writer and that's like the most important thing to her and um the things that sidetrack her from that or the things that um you know not having enough money or not you know the things that are that are making that difficult for her but it's just really well written that's what it is this is why everybody's talking about it i think lily king is just a great writer i i'm gonna read some of her other books after this because i just thought i think it's so great and it has all these you'll be highlighting like there's so many things in it that ring really true which is also why I think I thought it was a memoir where I was like, oh, it's just, it's very, like, it, yeah. It's just things that ring, like, very true to me in it. I, I've just really been enjoying it. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? I am reading a highly anticipated book for Glassers by Reading Glasses' favorite pal, uh, Mike Chen. It's Light Years From Home. It's his new one. Mike is actually coming on the show next week, so we're really excited to talk to him about this book. Um, unsurprising. It's just absolutely amazing. It is, it's basically like a family drama plus aliens, yeah. uh, which is, we were talking before we started recording how Mike Chen is just a master of being able to take a sci-fi story that should be so huge and like gigantic and make it so intimate. It's basically, it's about this family and 15 years before the events of the book, the brother and the father disappeared. And 
the father ended up coming back, but he was totally changed. And they are, one of the sisters is convinced that they were abducted by aliens. The father was convinced they were abducted by aliens. The mother doesn't really have an opinion on it. The other sister thinks it's all bullshit. And she thinks her brother actually, because her brother liked to do drugs and kind of screw off. And she's convinced that he's like off in Europe, like partying and has been for the past 15 years. The only thing is the other sister was right. He was abducted by aliens and he has been fighting in this alien space war for 15 mm-hmm. years, except he has to come back to earth for something. And all the, like basically all the events of this like alien war that he is fighting start to bleed into the lives of their family as he comes home. And like all this baggage comes up about all their different relationships with each other and all their own shit. And it's so good and it's so heartwarming and it's just so, um, it's one of those really great books where basically everybody in this book is wrong and has done something bad Mm -hmm. to the rest of their family, but you can understand why they all do it. And you are kind of rooting for all of them. Yeah. And it's so interesting to see the way that they all interact with each other and uh on top of it you know mm, cool space alien stuff it's it's so much fun it's so fantastic if you love sci-fi with a lot of heart in it you really should pre-order this uh you have one week to do it because mike's coming on the show next week uh that's light years from home by mike chen yeah and uh just a second that uh, mallory knows when, before we started recording i was like i think i'm gonna shout out light years from home because <laughs> it comes out <laughs> soon and she was like oh i'm already reading it uh because i read it last year and i just thought it was so amazing um, yeah, sec- second second that wreck. Um, and mine is Writers and Lovers, a novel by Lily King. <laughs> <laughs> Good to, you know, I always, it, it, it's funny to see, I'm, sometimes I see books and I'm like, why did they write a novel like underneath the title? And well, like, oh, now you why. know. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Murphy writes in about book sharing I've been listening since the beginning, but this is my first time writing in. Love the podcast. You guys are fantastic. The lady from the Black Lagoon sits proudly on my shelf and I'm waiting for girly drinks to come in. I order through my local small bookshop and sometimes it takes her a little longer to get things in. In episode 226, Micro Histories and Girly Drinks, you talked about a couple who read books together, but now that they live together, felt that owning two copies of the same book might be too much. I have a suggestion. Write in your shared copy. I know this might be hard to come around to for most book lovers. I myself would have balked at the idea a year or two ago, but a group of friends and I have taken to doing this with books we dislike. This has turned some of the worst books I've ever read into treasures in my library that hold a shared experience for me and my friends. Even just underlining parts you like, writing an LOL over a good joke, or commenting at the end of a chapter with a I was so scared blank would die can add a lot of personalization to a book that you're sharing and enhance the experience for the next reader. I also think this is cuter, if less obvious, than owning two copies of the same book because when you open it up, it'll be filled with evidence of your shared experience long after you've forgotten most of the contents of the book. Mm-hmm. I also recommend using different colored pencils and writing somewhere in the back or the front of the book the when and who annotated it, Aww. especially if you're... If you're the type to reread a book, it could be really fun to see the ways you agree or disagree with your past self, too. This is cute. Murphy, I love this idea. What a cute idea. Wicked. This would be really fun to do with, like, especially a book club that can't meet in person right now because of the pandemic. So you just, like, pass the book on to each person. Yeah. Oh, that would be really cute. And I also like that it's just, like, um... You know, it, it, this is this gives your book a historical reference point. You know, like, you can always look yeah. back and see where you were at this time. Wicked cute. Um, 
Lizzie also wrote in about book sharing. This is specific to Kindle, but my husband and I have a shared library on Kindle. Most of the books I buy, he can also access. So if you have a Kindle, either e-readers, tablets, or just your phone, you could read together and only buy one copy of the book. That is true. Wow. Yeah, if you cool. you can have um, a shared li- I think only one shared library, but you can share it with like your family members or your partner or whoever. I actually think Jeremy and I have a shared library, even though I don't use the Kindle app very often. I know that my mom and, and stepdad uh, have a shared one because they will have the same book from the library. And at oh, the same time. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I, love, I love people writing in about couple book behavior. This is like my favorite thing. It's so cute. Adorable. So Al- Alexander wrote in with a wheelhouse, which is Beauty and the Beast retellings, fantasy coming of age novels, nonfiction on witchcraft, bonus points if a grimoire or guide for practicing witches. I'll have a grimoire, please. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Give me all the grimoires. That's amazing. Uh, realistic queer characters, as many romance tropes as possible in just one book. <laughs> Writing advice, books set in New England slash Midwest regions of the U.S., female leads that aren't white, any personalized recommendation, self-help slash trauma dumping, and diversity in YA. Bria, what is trauma dumping? Uh, Oh, getting rid of your trauma. In a book. Through a self-help book. I think it's like the same as like a self-help and it also is like you're working ways to get rid of your trauma or work through your trauma within a self-help book. I think that's what that would be. Interesting. Yeah. In the same, I think it'd be in the same category as a self-help book, but it's like a more specific self-help book. That's my guess that what Hmm. Alexandra was saying. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Couple notes. One, at least once a week, we get an email from someone that's like, I always listen to the show when I'm driving and I can never keep up with all the books. Where, Where have you written them down? Folks, in the show notes always in the show notes if you go to maximumfun.org i mean if you use apple Podcasts, it's right there but if you use like spotify or something else just go to maximumfun.org look at our podcast page there is a web page for every single episode we do for the show every single book we talk about uh is listed there all the links that we talk about are listed there Folks, you do not have to pull over this on the side of the road and write down a book title on like a Taco Bell receipt. You, We've got you covered. Just go to MaximumFun.org and look for the Reading Glasses page. Uh, and a quick, very exciting bookmark for me, uh, me and the boys over at KingCast, uh, some friends of ours. We've actually done crossovers with them before. Uh, the KingCast, which is a Stephen King podcast, um, they are doing a RPG spinoff with a uh, Stephen King-themed RPG. Whoa. And I am playing one of the characters. It is so much fun. It's called Shelbyville. Uh, the first episode is up now. You go over to check KingCast, and I'll put a link to it. You can check it out. Um, we're going to keep going with this. There's been a really huge, great response to the first episode um, so far. Can we get a little hint of who your character is? What character are you playing? Yes, I was just going to say. So me, Eric, and Scott play teenagers in 1990s Maine. Uh, and I play Crystal, uh, who is a angsty goth girl. Love Not it. too much of a stretch for me. Uh, but all, they all go to, they're really good friends. They're kind of outcasts and stu- weird stuff starts happening in their 1990s small New England town. They're very, the town, the Shelbyville is very close to Castle Rock. Um, we're very jealous of that town. And, uh, the first episode has us having some very scary adventures in our middle school. Uh, I will say it is very heavily Stephen King inspired. There's some, the first, like the first moment when things start getting scary, 
I, like made me gasp because oh. it was so intense. But it is very Stephen King inspired. It's really, really cool. We're having a blast with it. Uh, it so if you like Stephen King, if you like RPGs, if you just like uh, storytelling and listening to stuff like that, definitely go check it out. And important question, is there a Chut Buggins? Chut Buggins, what was his name? Chut Bug Chut Buggins is going to definitely be making an appearance okay. later on. Okay. But there, there will definitely be like other characters. We actually are going to be having guest characters come in, nice. which is going to be really, really fun. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's legitimately scary, very funny. Uh, it's really, really cool and very literary. So go right. check it out. Love that. So before we talk about reading self-help books, we're going to take a quick break. Bria, do you know what I had for breakfast this morning? Ooh, um, listen, I wasn't there, but I, <laughs> I could guess that you opened up that refrigerator, looked inside, and it was like the glow of the morning sun around a <laughs> nice, around a nice bottle of Soylent. Correct? You are correct. Yeah. Actually, the little cap opened and the Soylent said, good morning. <laughs> now, we can't promise Sorry, that your no. Soylent will speak to you, but we can. I'm not promising that. No, it's just Guarantee my Soylent be because good. It will be Soylent good. is my best friend. Yes. But Bria, what is Soylent? Well, Soylent is uh, technically the original food tech company, and they make delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formats like the kind that Mallory had just this morning. Yes. The Soylent Complete Meal is my favorite. I literally have it for breakfast every single day. Uh, it's a ready-to-drink shake. It does come in a powder format, but I don't I don't want to waste time mixing a powder, so I just get the shakes. Uh, and I love it because it's vegan, it's gluten-free, it's got 20 grams of plant-based protein, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats, 400 calories of slow-burning carbs. It's a really great way to start your day for someone like me who both does not like eating or cooking breakfast. But I need to have something in my stomach to, to write and make this podcast. Um, so Soylent do. is perfect. Yeah, and they have other stuff too. They have uh, the Soylent Squared, which are these tiny little 100-calorie complete nutrition bars that can be taken on the go. Throw them in your purse, eat them later. Throw them in your backpack, eat them at school. I don't know where you're going. Um, they also have the Complete <laughs> Energy, the Soylent Complete Energy, which is not your typical energy drink. Uh, it is it is nutritious. It has all sorts of vitamins in it. It has protein in it. It's a delicious way to keep going through your day without those sugar highs and lows. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's the quickest, easiest meal on the planet, which I love. There's no cooking. There's no cleanup. Perfect for breakfast like me, but you can have it for lunch. You can have it for dinner can have it anytime you need a nutritious meal that tastes good. Uh, something that I love about it is as a power lifter, I've had many a protein shake in my day. Mm. A lot of them are really chalky and kind of gross. Soylent is not like that. I mean, I literally drink it every day because I like it. Um, it's, you know, complete balanced nutrition. And it's also another great thing. It's made from U.S. grown sustainable source ingredients, which means it's good for you because you don't have to cook and good for the planet. So for all the glasses out there right now, you can go to Soylent.com slash glasses and use code glasses to get 20% off your first order. So that's Soylent.com slash glasses, Soylent.com slash glasses and use code glasses to get 20% off your first order. Glasses. Glasses. I'm John Moe. My show, Depress Mode, is all about mental health. And this week, I talked with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma, and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on something that you'd rather not get into, just say so, we'll cut the whole exchange out. But it also seems like you're pretty open, <laughs> open about a lot of things. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about <laughs> I that know, I... I know. What are we going to throw Amanda Knox with? <laughs> Depression Mode with John Moe, only on Maximum Fun. This week, we're ticking off the first box on the 2022 Reading Glasses Challenge, Read a Self-Help Book. We put this on the challenge this year because self-help books can get a bad rap, and we're here to tell you that there can be a self-help book for everyone. Uh, But first, let's talk about what a self-help book is. So we're defining it as a book written specifically with advice to solve personal issues. Personal issues. These are not books about, like, fixing global warming. They can be books with advice about romance or how to deal with stress or how to get more motivated. So we did a whole episode a long time ago on what a self-help book is. So we'll put a link in the show notes for that. But on this episode, we're going to talk about what we're reading for this part of the challenge and what we think people should get out of self-help books. So Bria, what sort of mindset do you think people should approach self-help books with? Well, you know, every year we try to challenge people with the reading glasses challenge. I mean, some we put a couple things on there that were like we know you like this uh like we know you're gonna want to do that retelling but we also try to give a book we want you to read books that will expand your reading and i think there are the the point of this is to find this self-help book that is right for you um so i just started looking at the top ones uh from last year the top self-help books and a lot of them were unappealing (laughs) a lot of them were books i was like i'm not interested in this book at all i but i do like rules and i like improving myself but i do have trouble with books that are like you could be happier okay or like whatever like some like general things like that i'm like just maybe not today okay maybe this is not the book for me (laughs) and i think that that is the way people should approach self-help books as a category in the same way that we've talked about romance books or other kinds of books that there might be a self-help book that you could get a lot out of but it's just maybe the ones that everyone you know the one from last year that's like how to tie your shoes you already know about it (laughs) how to tie your shoes is a terrible one (laughs) that's not a book uh maybe it is well if you didn't know how to tie your shoes you would need some help yeah i don't know if you need a whole book maybe you need a whole book um but what do you think (laughs) what kind of people need to like have a specific what mindset do you think people need for this um well i think that is great advice i don't i think people should not be afraid i think you know people people should not be afraid to pick ones that they like you know, just because, like you said, just because a book is like happier in seven days and you're like, mm, this doesn't look appealing to me, then don't fucking read it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of things, I really think we need to take the pressure off of self-help books. Mm-hmm. Uh, books, as much as we wish they were, are not doctors or therapists. Um, so self-help books, even if they're written by a professional, should be approached in the same way as, a, as advice from a friend. Take everything as a gentle suggestion. Definitely try things from the book or take advice that seems like it could work for you. But listen to your gut. If you're reading something, if you're reading How to Tie Your Shoe and you're like, man, tying my shoe, you know, using while dangling off a cliff seems like it's not going to do too much for my life. Don't do it. Like, yes, there's rules in there. There's suggestions. There's advice, whatever. And t- but take what you want and leave the rest. You don't have to do everything. Just take take all the pressure off. If something seems like it's not going to fit in your life or something, the thought of trying something or changing something stresses you out is probably an indicator that that's not the book for you and that's not the advice for you. Yeah. But so, Bria, when you personally are reading a self-help book, what are you trying to get from it? Okay, so I was just discussing this uh, with a friend who loves self-help books. He reads 30 minutes of a self-improvement book every day. 
And he, is he like Superman? Is he the most improved person on, well, on this planet? Well, he likes he's like me and likes rules and likes habits. And he like he was discussing this specifically that he loves reading the ones about habits because he already has so many good habits that he's like, wow, this I'm just reading this one to make me feel better about myself. The one he's reading right now. And I was like, you know, that's not a terrible reason for any glasser out there who's feeling pressure to read a book that's about stuff you already do, <laughs> and like to be like, oh, I am making my bed every morning or whatever like my hat like habits is a good example like if you feel like you already have these good habits it's okay for you to go ahead and pick one that will make you feel better and i may end up doing just that like that that may be i may end up reading like a habits one or one where i'm like oh i, I already eat really healthy and i eat like i may do one that doesn't that's more about me feeling better when i'm reading but if not i also i really like ones that have uh research in there like a lot of research that they're like oh we looked at this study and it had, you know, like women are less likely to stand up for themselves on these occasions. And then I, I feel like that helps me to feel motivated when there's some science behind it. So yes. it's always nice when someone's not just spouting off stuff. Yeah. And so when I, what I personally get out of it is if I, there's some sort of science behind it, then I can definitely, it helps me to improve because then I think, okay, this is a proven fact. Someone did a study, someone looked at, you know, how to tie shoes the best way, and I can see see the information. We've been training for fifteen years. We've tied all these. We tried all these uh, Eastern and Western shoe we've tying techniques, and we found the adult best one. Shoes, dog shoes. Like we have gone through all the shoes. <laughs> shoes. <laughs> and here is the best way to tie a shoe. Um, I just I, so I think. I just, what I personally get from them is if I can get a little bit of information that's backed by science, that's usually something that I enjoy. Uh, uh, what about you? What what do you personally what do you personally try to get when you read a self help book? Or what do you, what's your goal this time? Real fucking low. Okay. <laughs> My goal is to just get one count it one okay. decent piece of advice or one change perspective or one new habit or whatever it is from a self help book. If after reading I can make one little change or see something in a different way, I will feel satisfied with with it and feel like I've gotten my goal. Because I think a lot of us go into self-help books by putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. We're like, ooh, happier in seven days. That's it. I'm going to change my entire wow, life and be an entirely different person. Yeah. Uh, we just got to take the pressure off. You know, it's the same. It's, I think it's the same way a, pe- a lot of people approach New Year's resolutions. Like, all right, about to make this huge, massive change and I'm going to be a completely different person and everything's going to be great. And I think that that is setting us all up for failure. Most real change just doesn't work like that. I think it's hard to change too many things at once. But if I can make one small sustainable change or make several small sustainable changes over time, it's um, it's much more likely that I'm going to keep them going. Uh, so if I can just get one single thing from a self-help book, I'm golden. And I would really recommend that approach for people. You know, you're saying that, it, that it's setting you up for failure. It's also setting the world of self-help books up for failure yes because i think that people have this bad taste in their mouth we talked about this but we did the show like 100 episodes ago or something so i feel like we can rehash a little but i feel like people get a bad taste in their mouth because of books like i mean and we're not dissing like be happier in seven days i don't know if that's a book but uh, is that a real book i don't know but it'd be really funny if there was actually a book probably, called be happier in seven but, days and, that and if you get a lot on. out of that book that's fine but i think there's a lot of books that fall into this category that aren't necessarily ones that people uh, uh, would normally think of. And I think that, that that's what we're encouraging people to do is to find these kind yeah. of books that fit for you and to not dismiss this as a category altogether because there may be something you can actually get out of this. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Uh, so what are you reading for this challenge? 
Okay. I got a few choices here. I haven't figured it out yet, but it's only January. One of my friends has been trying to get me to read Glennon Doyle forever, and I have never read it, never read any of Glennon Doyle's work. Have you? No, I think I had uh, Love Warrior? Untamed oh, on for, on hold at the library, for, but it was like, I think when it came, it was on hold for like, you know, oh, yeah. 15 years, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm giving up on this. <laughs> um, I think she loves Love Warrior. So I may read Love Warrior, which is like kind of a memoir, kind of self-help. It definitely like gets categorized under self-help when I looked it up. Um, and then I have a few others that have been on my list for a minute that might work because I do like a self-help book. Um, Adam Grant has a new one. And then I found one called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, which seems like it's – I love time management. This is one of my hobbies, time management. You are you do have the best managed time out of anybody I that I know. I love time management. But this is actually less about time management and more about savoring time, which could be good for someone like me obsessed with time management. Um, hmm. All I know is that I think I'm going to do this on audio. Like, I want someone to explain to me, could go like, Bria. No, you you want this on audio so you can do other things while you're <laughs> learning how to self-help. No, I, I know you, to, Bria. That's true. But I also want them to be like, Bria, this is how and why you should improve while I'm, yeah, while I'm on a walk or something where I can really like take it in. This feels like something that I want to like separate from my other reading in, in a way. So I think, I think I'll just get more out of it if it's a self, if it's an audio book. That's all I know. Um, do you have something picked out already? Yeah. Um, and I was looking over, I actually also really like self-help books. Um, and I was looking over the ones that I have, ones that I haven't read, but the one that really stuck out to me is one I've already read. So I'm going to reread it. Body Positive Power by Megan Jane Crabb. I read an arc of this like four years ago before it came out and I was really, really impressed with it. Megan is, she's a very popular body positive Instagram person that I followed for a really long time. And the book is all about self-acceptance and getting rid of the need to conform to beauty standards. And it really, really shifted my perspective the first time I read it. And I feel like this time of year when we're all being bombarded with like, oh, you need to diet, you need to do this to every time to completely become a new person. Uh, I think it's a really good time to reread it, especially since we're entering year fucking three of the pandemic and it's forced a lot of physical changes on a lot of us, myself included. So if I can just find one new way to be a little more accepting of myself and happier with myself, I will consider this reread a success. Nice. I love that. So we are interested to see what you, I, I've, I've seen in the reading glasses slack that people are already picking out self-help books. Oh, good. Um, so I'm excited. We want to hear what you're reading. You can send whatever your books uh, are or maybe some recommendation requests to readingclassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about some very special book tech, we're going to take a break. For over a decade, MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5pm Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com and mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific.
Now let's look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. Many of you emailed us about this. So many, so many. People have sent this to me on Instagram so many times. So many times. And my best friend, past guest of the show, Lauren Panpinto, ended up getting it for me for Christmas. It is called The Snackdive, which made Bria die the first time (laughs) she saw it. Yes, that's Uh, right. It's a play on the word snack. And active, in case you were wondering, is my snacking active enough? Am I doing enough with my snacking? And the answer well, is apparently maybe not. not. Maybe not. Uh, so, Bria, you want to tell us what the snackdive is? All right. <laughs> it's known as the snacking tool of the future. <laughs> yep. Yep. This is where cut, we got to. Our cut to 2050. Glasses. Everyone is using Snacktive. It is the snacking tool of the future. Flying cars, no. Just the Snacktive. No. Okay, it's basically <laughs> a pair of chopsticks connected to your fingers. <laughs> well, they're just, conne- yeah, they're, the chopsticks are connected to each other. They make like kind of a V. And to your and between your fingers, right? Are they connected to your fingers? Yeah, like they you get put them wet, on like a ring. And they have like another little thing that gets wedged in between the first your first oh, two fingers. So it's not a ring. I thought there was a ring on your finger. No. Okay. Imagine proposing to somebody with a snack tip. <laughs> Jeremy, if you're listening, this is what you gotta do. So it's a, it's just like a thing you wedge between your fingers and yes. it's but it's chopsticks. The wedging is very important. Okay. Okay. Uh and it stays over your fingers and it never touches your hand. Correct? The ends don't yes. touch your hand. They kind of like hover the the um the two sticks like hover over your fingers, but that's the important part. Your fingers are left out of this equation. Uh and and you can use them um for whatever you want, picking up picking up whatever I guess you'll get into this. And they're about fifteen dollars. Yes. For one snack div. One snack div. <laughs> A pair of snack div. Um, the, and the way because they're wedged between your first two fingers, you use them by squeezing together the first your first two fingers. Got it. Okay, so you're really building up that yes. finger strength in those first two yes. fingers. My okay. fingers are fucking jacked. All right, so I actually <laughs> just two of them. Though. I haven't tried these. Only Mallory has. So uh, Mallory, give us the lowdown. Yeah, we Bree and I have not seen each other in in a bit because you know things are are scary again out here in California and the entire world. Um, I think this might be the most important thing I've ever gotten in my life. Wow. Okay. Most important. I, okay. I, it was like, Lauren, this might be the most important gift that I've ever received. It's completely life-changing. Um, so as you know, I'm a big proponent of using chopsticks to eat snacks when you're reading. So you don't have to get anything on your fingers. Um, this is somehow better than that because so with the chopsticks, you still have to like, unless you're holding them the entire time. If you put them down, you still have to like pause and position them in your hand and pick things up. These, because they're like wedged, Bria's dying right now. <laughs> uh, because it's of these, because, like, because you keep saying wedged in between your fingers, it's just so funny. That's just a it funny, is. like, way, that's a funny picture. And I've also seen the Instagram ads, and the Instagram ads are like also like very funny and like, they're very why funny. would I ever need these? But apparently we do. Okay, keep going. Sorry. We, you, everyone needs them. That's my opinion. Uh, be, so because they're wedged in there, they stay in position and you can still, that's the magical thing is you can still use the hand. Like, you can use these while you're holding a video game controller while you you are turning a page while like your hands are completely free. It's like basically somebody, um, uh, my friend John was like, are they made out of snack mantium? Because you look like Wolverine. Like it's that sort of thing. Like, you know how Wolverine could like have a olive on one of his little claws and still be doing things at the same time. That's how Uh, it is with the snack. And what did you have? Did you have an olive? Well, not an olive, but I've been testing it out with many snacks. Okay. And it is. um, All snacks? 
uh, potato chips, vegan, uh, gluten-free, uh, chocolate-covered pretzels. I haven't actually got to try them out with Cheetos because we live up the mountain, and I'm sure people have noticed in the United States that it's getting pretty bare in the grocery stores right now. Yeah. It's hard to find snacks, and they are clear out of Cheetos at all the grocery stores <laughs> up here, uh, which has been very sad. Because the first thing I did when I got these, I was like, "We gotta, go, I gotta go buy my, buy my hot Cheetos uh, and, and try these out." Um, but I will say. These are a miracle. I wow. literally use them every day of my life. I feel like I've ascended to a new plane of existence. Six out of five bases. <laughs> wow. The first ever on reading glasses. Mallory's giving this a six out of five. We've never had anything test this high. That's pretty amazing. Would you use these? Would you try them out? Feels like a lot of work for a snack, Mallory. Convince me that it's not a lot of work because I'm more of a grab while in the kitchen and eat over the sink snacker instead of a put on a tool to get but ready to But you still to have snack. to clean your hands off afterwards. I see. Yeah. Okay. But okay. And now are these dishwashers No safe? cleaning. They do not touch your fingers at all. Can I throw them in the dishwasher afterwards? Yes. Wow. Okay. And I guess if I'm getting settled in and ready to read, it's not like I'm going to like just eat as I go as I as I normally do. Um, <laughs> huh. I mean, I'm interested in trying them. I just don't, I don't, I can't really have a strong opinion. Uh, next, next time I come down to LA and we get to see each other, I will bring these and you can try them out and okay. you, your life will be changed. Wow. You can, you can put one of the sticks right into the middle of an olive and just like and <laughs> eat it, eat it while you're reading. I mean, it really is. Wow. What a, what a, what a miracle day. What a miracle day. Mallory has found her six out of five pages. Oh, these are fantastic. They really, I've been, re, I've been reading a lot with them and they're, they're absolutely fantastic. The ability to hold the snack and turn a page with one hand is like, wow, I'm living in out here in 2032. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so again, that's the snack tip. I will, we, I will definitely be posting photos and stuff for the Instagram. Um, but if you have some book tech suggestions that you want to send to us, you can send them to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com, or you can get something from our wish list in the show notes. We do have a wish list that Bria puts really cool stuff on um, that we would love to test out. You can uh, give that a, uh, a look at in our show notes. Time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Allie writes in, have you ever experienced a situation where the line between wheelhouse and doghouse can be blurry? And how did you resolve this? I've been thinking about my wheelhouse. And while I have not run into this problem yet, I'm afraid my wheelhouse and doghouse might have some overlap. Part of my wheelhouse is books about authors who interact or meet the characters they write about. Something like the Inkheart series by Cornelia Funk, which was a favorite of mine growing up, or Stephen King's self-insert in the Dark Tower series. However, part of my doghouse is people experiencing the world in a way that makes the people around them think that they have a mental illness slash need to be institutionalized slash they're going crazy. I'm currently coming out of a reading slump and trying to put together my wheelhouse is helping me pick books, but I'm worried I might run, in, run into a book where I get both of these things. Any help for determining when a wheelhouse outweighs a doghouse or how to find out if a book is worth plowing through the doghouse for the wheelhouse would be appreciated. P.S. So far, my wheelhouse is lighthearted high fantasy, queer high fantasy, child slash young adult befriending an old hermit and learning their secrets <laughs> with a supernatural twist slash angle. That's I do specific. like that. That is really fun. Uh, books about libraries or archives, bonus points for supernatural stuff, and authors meeting their characters. Bria, what should Allie do? What advice do you have? Well, you know what they say, love and hate, two sides of the same coin. So this is <laughs> obviously, I can see this happening 
Um, every book has its thorn, Bria. Every, that's what they say. Um, <laughs> gosh, and you know what I was thinking about that if someone, if there's something in your wheelhouse that you love, but it's not done incorrectly, that could also be infuriating. Like you're like, I love when they meet an old hermit and then you get there and you're like, it's a young hermit. <laughs> <laughs> this, this hermit's too young. <laughs> or something. Like it's just like one step step away. I, it's interesting because I hate when the dog dies in a book. But I also find myself constantly reading and enjoying books with that aspect in it. And I just have to, like, overlook it. So I do understand mm-hmm. um, where Allie's coming from. Um, okay. I would say for Allie, it seems like the one thing that she likes, this author interacting with the character, is actually a smaller aspect of a book than the thing that she dislikes, which is sort of a big theme that happens, right? Like, this seems like, this is like a one thing that happens at some point in the book, whereas the other, whereas like the, you need to be institutionalized, they're going crazy kind of thing is a bigger theme. So it feels like to me, Allie should be looking to avoid the ladder instead of looking for the wheelhouse item. Because I think the latter one, I mean, I would say you could just also power through, but I think that that's not going to work because it's going to, that ends up being a bigger theme probably if someone's like, you're crazy, you need to be institutionalized. It's going to become like a thing in the book. So I think it's like finding things that you know don't have that and then kind of hoping they have the wheelhouse item in that. And I think you're going to have to rely on recommendations for that wheelhouse item because it is so specific. That is like yeah. such a like, I mean, I can't even think of a book that has it. You probably can, but I, I can't off the top of my head. Um, I, I know that I've read books like that. Inkart actually is one that co- that comes to mind. But um, yeah, there's other books like there out, out there like that. For sure, for sure. But um, I think I, I'm going to say you're going to have to rely on recommendations from people for that specific wheelhouse item because it's like it's just not going to be something that's going to be on the back of the book. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. hard to pick up a book and go, oh, this is going to have this one specific thing that I like if your wheelhouse item is that specific. Ooh, Mallory, we should have a show about really specific wheelhouse items and how to figure out if a book has them. <laughs> that's actually a really good idea. Okay, good. Um, what do you think, Mallory? You you have some suggestions for Allie. Yeah, so first off, I definitely agree with you if um, uh, Allie's looking at books uh, and she's suspecting a book might tick both boxes. I think some review reading is in order. Um uh, I think doing a little research into it will help first. Uh, I think maybe reading some non-spoilery, non-spoilery reviews on like Storygraft or like NPR or Tor or someplace, Tor.com, like someplace that um, uh, reviews books might give you a better idea if you should or shouldn't read it. This is my advice to, to anybody. If you have such an intense doghouse item, like I do, um, that you don't like, you should be checking books out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um I do this with snake stuff. Anybody recommending a book to me knows to warn me if there's snake stuff in mm-hmm. this. You do this for me. Jeremy does this for me. Uh, and then I b- make a decision based on how intense the snake stuff is, whether or not to read it. Um, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. How uh, is it on a oh, snake scale? Is it one rattle, two rattles? <laughs> how many hisses? How many um, hisses on the snake scale? <laughs> oh, fucking snakes. Um, but I get, I get this question a lot because I love horror and there's a lot of fucking snake stuff in horror and only you know yourself well enough to make these decisions though. Uh, for me personally, it's about whether or not my doghouse item, whether that is snakes or love triangles, ooh, or a bunch of snakes in a love triangle, <laughs> that'd be the worst thing ever. Oh, my least favorite thing of all time. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's whether or not it's a major plot point. 
Uh, for example, um, you and Jeremy both read Last House on Needless Street before me, and you warned me that there was a snake scene. And both of you were like, it's just one scene. You'll know when it's happening, but just heads up. Um, because it was just uh, a scene, uh, and I, I, I was able to skip it as soon as it came up. You know, if there were, like, you know, if, if there, a snake was one of the main characters in the book, <laughs> um, or, like, one of the main characters lives in a pit of snakes, I probably would not have read it. But you would have told me that. You would have been like, hey, Mallory, this character lives with 5,000 snakes. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, mm, I'm probably going to skip that one. Um, so weighing between a wheelhouse item and a doghouse item for me comes down to how much of the plot slash book the doghouse takes up um if it's something that can be skipped or skim over i take the chance but if it isn't if it's actually like a part a major part of the book i would skip it yeah yeah but to do i mean to do that again you need to do some research and um and that's the that's the best thing to do and i know that's not an easy or fun answer because it's not an, an instant thing but you got to do it. And yeah. uh, if you have such an, in- and no matter what it is, if you have, uh, if there's a doghouse item that upsets you so much, um, you are, you are, I f- believe that you're fully personally responsible for, for checking things out. You know, and- there's content warnings and people in, uh, you know, people, authors can do their best, but uh, if something is that upsetting to you, you really got to get to help yourself and, and, and look things up. And I think it's something we're both encouraging is, you know, you can read the book and skip the part that you don't like. And yeah, yeah, the I author's going to be like, time. yeah, the author's going to be like, what? But we're saying, yeah, it's okay. And then if you keep reading and you're like, I don't understand what's happening now, then you're done with that book. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I mean, it, I think you, don't, you don't have to read that part if it's too horrifying for you. Absolutely. It's totally okay to skip. It's something that I do all the time. And that's why it helps, like... You know, I've read a lot of books with snake stuff in it, but because of me either reading reviews or talking to people who have already read it, I was pretty much pretty quickly able to skip things. And, um, you know, I me and my snake phobia coexist as peacefully as we can. (laughs) Um, So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail dot com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy reading glasses shirts stickers mugs totes you could you could be wearing a reading glasses shirt with a tote bag full of books and be the wow. bookish, most bookish person in the world we love them we love our ford merch store um one of our recent popular items is the libraries are fucking awesome shirt but uh changed to be less sweary so it says libraries are flipping awesome so cute. Uh, a lot of people have been buying that sweatshirt it's really really cool i remember when you buy that stuff it supports us we it literally helps us feed our our animals so we really appreciate that and if you want to help us feed our animals for free without any purchase necessary on your part (laughs) you can rate and review us on itunes or wherever you rate and review podcasts it really is great for us it helps us get more listeners helps us get more advertisers you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for for reading. reading